Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I had a thought. Suppose it pinged into my brain, caused a small amount of pain upon impact. And then my brain converted that thought into a series of words. And that is what today's podcast is, is a thought I had yesterday when the news broke that the NBA was going to be changing some of its protocols. The CDC recommended that asymptomatic COVID positive cases can quarantine for only five days instead of 10, provided that a test they take at the end of those five days shows that they are no longer contagious, meaning you would need to get, like you couldn't do it with a rapid test, the at-home rapid tests or whatever. Those are just going to be positive or negative. This is going to have to be something a little bit more complicated that actually shows quantifiably how much virus a person has in them and if it's enough to create a contagion for those around them. So I can only assume that the NBA now is going to be using different tests at the end of those five days for asymptomatic positives to get folks back sooner. This is not a podcast, however, on how the NBA enforces the CDC's new guidelines, because I'm going to go ahead and, for better or worse, assume that they've got it under control. Which is probably dumb, because no one's had anything under control for the last almost two years. But, when there's a recommendation like this made, generally, there is some actual methodology behind it. And the NBA has plenty of money, so they can get their hands on those tests. That's not a problem for them. That would be a problem for me and you, because you can't just walk into Walgreens and get a quantifiable viral load test off the shelf. That would cost more money. We can get the $10 at-home stuff. But they're using something else. The point of this is not necessarily that the NBA is changing their protocols. The point of this episode of Fantasy NBA Today, which, by the way, hello, welcome everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation, sportsethos.com, and at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the best fantasy news feed on planet Earth. The reason for this uh, episode, because look, I know not as many of you are listening this week as usual, but I, I would strongly recommend you do, and saying it on a show you're already listening to is sort of a weird way to get that point across. But the reason I want to bring this up is because players now are going to be coming out of protocols quicker. Not all of them, but if you take the average of everybody, it'll be faster. Even if we only assume like two out of every six or ten or whatever, I mean, take a really small fraction, just say one out of every ten protocol players comes back in six days instead of 11, that's going to bring the average number of time spent in protocol per player down. And by all accounts, it'll be more than that because Adam Silver's news, I think he was on ESPN last week when he went on and he talked about how a lot of the cases are asymptomatic. Okay, great. I mean, we might be looking at 30 or 40% of these players coming back in six days instead of 11. This dramatically 
changes our strategy from a fantasy standpoint. And I think we can get ahead of the curve again. Yes, we have some Monday stuff to recap. Don't worry, we'll get to the Monday recap. It's not going to be that long. Right now, strategy is actually more important than the moment-to-moment decisions you're making. Because if we've learned anything over the last three or four years, it's that this podcast is about broad, key things, news breaks, stuff like that. And social media, Twitter, is where we can go for the instant, the instant stuff. So again, I would recommend following our news feed at Ethos Fantasy BK. Follow me at Dan Bespris. The strategy changes we have to make, I believe, are as follows. First, let me even dial it back a couple of days and to what we were talking about last week, which was, first of all, uh, over the last few shows, I guess I should say, how many streaming options there are right now with players and protocols. It's huge. It's literally three or four every single day or more. And we talked more recently about staying in front of the return of the more established players. As an example of this, one that I have very, very close to my fingertips, I had Nick Claxton in a number of spots, knowing full well that Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge were actually pretty close to coming back, but also understanding that Brooklyn was on a two-game West Coast jaunt in Los Angeles before coming back to the East Coast, where KD and LaMarcus et al. were quarantining. So I knew... Going into these last couple of games, I was going to get probably two good games out of Nick Claxton after Brooklyn had a few games postponed last week. So yesterday, in most of my leagues where moves happen for the following day, this is Roto again, folks, where there is not a weekly moves limit. And and believe me, I'm going to get to this part of the strategy as well. Where you don't have a weekly moves limit, generally a Roto games capped kind of format because, you know, streaming is typically not all that necessary in that league format I actually dropped Nick Claxton yesterday in the middle of his ball game it still counted for my team but I knew that was the end of the line I wasn't 100% positive that we'd find out LaMarcus Aldridge and KD were clearing protocols today or tomorrow but I was like 80 to 90% sure and so I could get off of a player before he became I don't want to say useless, because he's still going to play a little bit, but he's going to be behind Aldridge. you know. And with Claxton, if he only gets 20 minutes, it's not enough. We needed him much closer to 30. For someone else who was just emerging and had more time where they were now the key guy, someone like a Nathan Knight who we saw, big question mark going into yesterday's game. We knew he was going to start, but we didn't really know if he was going to get sufficient playing time in Minnesota. He did, and then you could grab him for the second half of their back-to-back. Kevon Looney. I don't know, actually, what he's going to do. His fantasy game is actually not that great because he's not a good free-throw shooter, and it's mostly rebounds. But I don't think the Warriors are going to have much choice but to play a whole bunch of Looney, whatever he can handle before fouling out because Draymond Green is out for a week. And they'll find some other pieces to put together. Otto Porter is a droppable guy because we knew Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole were due back any day now. 
there were ads. We talked about Luca Garza as a potential ad. Detroit doesn't play, I believe, until tomorrow. Um, just staying ahead of it. So this rule change, this protocol change, this is what we had established. We were staying ahead of it, and we were getting... Maybe you missed the first game of a streamer if you're waiting to see if they actually are going to get to play 35 minutes, like we did with Nathan Knight. But when someone went into protocols, at least we knew we had another probably three or four games beyond that. With this protocol change, we don't know now if a player is going to be back in six days or 11 days. Or if they need reconditioning, it might even need two weeks on that thing. So you might pick up a guy with an expectation that they might only be the starter for four days. We don't know. So now we pivot into what does this mean for us going forward in each format? Because in head-to-head before, you generally wanted to only make a move on a backup if you were going to get a full week out of them. Because so many guys are getting hurt and into protocols right now, you sort of couldn't use your weekly moves on traditional streams, you had to use them as fringe guys on your team fell into protocols. Basically just drop those guys so you weren't taking zeros. And that's how you could pile up wins in head-to-head. I had a league last week where I had absolutely no business winning the league. I won at 5-4 because I just dropped two, like, just above fringe-level protocol guys and got an extra five, six games out of my week and won five, four in pro- instead of probably losing six to three. So it switched by, I think, two games in the standings. But this is, again, this protocol change dramatically shifts what we should be doing in the two separate lead types. Let's start with head-to-head, because we, I've talked a bunch about Roto already on this show. Let's start with the head-to-head side. Previously, in head-to-head, we were trying to save our weekly moves to use exclusively on guys to basically avoid taking zeros. That's the short version of it. If someone on your team who was hovering in the 90 to 120 range fell into protocols on a Tuesday, you wanted to make sure that you could dump them for... Anybody. Honestly, it didn't have to be a a COVID replacement as your pickup. It could just be a different basketball player. It could be someone who was sort of fringy and then a different guy on their team went into protocols. And it isn't necessarily the backup, but someone who just sort of moved up and over the line. Like a Gary Harris, who's been like pretty good lately. But when Cole Anthony went out, not protocols, Harris shifted into overdrive and became an all formats kind of guy. So it didn't have to be a COVID replacement as your pickup. But the general philosophy for head-to-head for us right now is avoid taking zeros. With this shift in how protocols are enforced, avoid taking zeros is still a really big deal. But here's where I think things change. I don't think most of the other teams in your leagues... And I don't think most most of the other teams in my leagues, although many of you competitors are listening to this podcast so you know screw me i'm gonna give my strategy away i believe that in your leagues right now most of the other team managers are barely getting on top of what they should have been doing two weeks ago when this outbreak started meaning 
they're probably still either A, streaming in kind of an old-fashioned sense, or B, just kind of riding it out. Which most seasons, that's the strategy that I advocate. Ride it out. If you have two or three injuries at a time, it happens to every team, blah, blah, blah. You take a couple of five, four, six, three losses. You come back and you're okay. Right now, you might have six, seven guys out and lose eight to one repeatedly. And you just can't do that for three weeks in a row or you're dead meat. So this week, we've had to be much, this week, this year, we've had to be much more aggressive in head-to-head leagues with avoiding taking losses due to injury and protocol. And if you flip that and look at sort of the converse of it, when your team only has two or three guys out and your opponent has five or six guys out, you can stomp on them by making an extra couple of moves to avoid taking zeros. You can collect those eight-to-one wins that might have only been 5-4 or 6-3 to three in the past. You can turn... Six to three losses into five four losses or five four wins, and you can turn five four wins into seven to two wins or eight to one wins. That's what we should have been doing the last two to three weeks, and we have been on this podcast. And I'm betting the other managers in your leagues, medium competitive to fairly competitive, are probably just now figuring out that they needed to hard dodge taking zeros. And we're going to use this to our advantage because in head to head leagues right now, As this COVID quarantine number gets ratcheted down, and by the way, let's assume we're not told who's asymptomatic and who's symptomatic. If we find out, great. Like every once in a while, we'll find out, oh, so-and-so feels great. They don't have any symptoms. They might tweet it themselves. Like Bogdan Bogdanovich went into protocols and he tweeted out an emoji of like a, a frowny face or something. We don't know if that means he's asymptomatic or if he feels like crap. But, like, sometimes a player might give it away. A team probably can't because, actually, that's sort of a HIPAA thing. You're not supposed to talk about what someone's symptoms are. Let them do it themselves. Or if they say, okay, it's fine, you can talk about it, you're good to go there. Uh, Let's assume we generally don't know. Nine out of every ten cases, we're not going to know if a player is symptomatic or asymptomatic until day six when suddenly it's like, oh, so-and-so just tested out of protocol. Like, oh, well, I guess they were asymptomatic. So if we assume we don't know, then that means that roughly 30, 40, whatever the number was Adam Silver was talking about, 30, 40% of the time, players are going to come back sooner. And that means that in all of these leagues, you might remember two weeks ago with Adam King on this show, a couple Tuesdays back, he talked about some of the players he saw getting dropped in his leagues, which, by the way, You guys might remember I said, yeah, I can understand that. Like, I was dropping some of those guys too. Because dodging zeros right now was such an enormous piece of the puzzle. Well, now, some of these guys getting dropped are actually coming back in six days instead of two weeks. Now, three days into someone's quarantine, you might be able to pick up a dropped proven asset that's coming back in half a week. Am I advocating turning all of your the end of your head-to-head team into three stash slots? No. No. That would be going way too far. But what I am saying is, take a moment right now while we're talking on this podcast. 
And look at some of the season-long quality contributors that have been cast to your waiver wire because they are currently in protocols. See what pops up. I would, uh, I would go to maybe your medium competitive league just to kind of get a bearing on it. Like, don't go to your most competitive or your league with the longest benches or whatever it is because those ones were never going to play the same as the other ones. But there are guys on the waiver wire right now that were great contributors that are only dropped because they're in protocols. Go check around. See if Jared Vanderbilt got dropped anywhere. Go look around. See if Reggie Jackson got dropped in some places. I'm betting they did because generally I advocated dropping some of these guys. But think about a guy like Vanderbilt right now. Uh, He got dropped into protocols, I believe, on the 20th. Um, Reggie Jackson, obviously a little bit farther away. But the whole point of this is, what if? What if he's back? Reggie was last Wednesday, so he's been in for six-ish, six or seven days now as of this point. What if he tests out in a game? What if he's back in three days with Paul George out? These are the types of guys I want you looking for on your waiver wire. The guys that are like 60% rostered in leagues that were 75 or 80% rostered before they hit protocols. Because right now, and you know, I, I think this is probably going to happen more, again, in head-to-head leagues than in Roto, because in Roto leagues you can typically just sort of plop a guy on your bench and not worry too much about it. In head-to-head, guys that were pretty good got dropped because they hit protocols and now like i'll take a head-to-head league i'm in standard start 10 three bench two injured slots uh d'anthony melton got dropped because he's in protocols jared vanderbilt got dropped because he's in protocols devin vassell got dropped because he's been on and off being hurt there's just three quick examples right off the top of my head guys that have like Almost set in stone rest of season value. I don't, again, I'm not saying you have to go out and pick these guys up this moment. It's December 28th. A lot of people are out of town for the holidays. This is sort of like the everybody's glazed over part of this procedure. But I do believe we are very close to hitting the cresting point of this protocol fest where the players that are going to get it have gotten it. And you're going to start to see more people coming out of protocols than going in. And that means that the number of streaming options are going to be not zero because this stuff is going to continue for at least a few more weeks. But instead of four or five streaming options popping up every day, it might be one and other things. And you might actually need more than that because during this process, you've probably, I have, turned three spots on your team into streamer spots. And all of a sudden, all those guys start to get supplanted by the previously scheduled starter, and only one is emerging every day that you're fighting with other people in your league for. We are close. I don't believe we're there yet, but with this rule change and with how waves of this virus are happening and how the NBA has actually kind of been out in front a little bit in terms of the curve on vaccination, things of that nature, 
we're going to hit a point very soon where grabbing the proven assets becomes the more prudent move. So stay on top of that. Look for guys that have rest of season value that have been cast into the scrap heap because of this wild COVID wave hitting the NBA and be ready to, if you have to, lose a week. Just one. Not more than one, just one. But that's why we built up this cushion over the last two or three weeks. It's why we've been going so hard on winning, on piling up four or five extra games over 500 because then you can take a loss and you can have all of these incredible assets that were dropped because they had to be, because teams were getting steamrolled with COVID, but are just out there waiting for the team that has a spot to stash them. We are close. We are not quite there yet, but I believe we are within one week, probably, of that cresting occurring. Now, what about the Roto side? Well, I'll tell you about the Roto side, but first, got to tell you guys about Thrive Fantasy and ThriveFantasy.com. Oh, by the way, uh, Anthony Edwards and Nas Reed just cleared protocol for Minnesota. So now you know, asymptomatic. These guys pop back into the mix. I would say pick up Nas Reed, but by the time he plays, because I think they go tonight, so I guess you could squeeze one in there. I don't know. Again, a lot of my leagues are moves for the next day. By the time they play again, Cat might be back. But that's something to keep an eye on as well. Again, this is why these things are happening so quickly, and we're going to talk about Roto in a second. But uh, again, it's also why you start to pick up these guys that get dropped because the fill-ins are not going to go long enough. ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up with our buddies at Thrive Fantasy. I hope you've been winning money with us over at mybookie.ag. By the way, you can open an account there using promo code HOOPBALL. Take some of that. That's my promo. That's what I'm pushing on you guys this week. Take some of the free dollars we've amassed with our pals at mybookie.ag and open up an account with our pals at thrivefantasy.com or the app, the Thrive Fantasy app available for Apple and Android devices, where all you need to do is no prop bets for the biggest names playing every night. They're giving out thousands of dollars daily at Thrive Fantasy. So just be a part of it. Here's the thing, too. Our guys in the DFS division, they're giving out their favorite Thrive Fantasy prop bets every day. Every day they're giving these out. They're giving you the bones, the skeleton of your winning Thrive Fantasy picks. And it's not a lineup on Thrive Fantasy. You don't have to make a lineup every day with weirdos you've never heard of filling out the corners of your DFS lineup. No, it's the superstars. It's the big names. What's LeBron going to do? And then Darius Garland just went into protocols while we were talking about this stuff. So blah, blah, blah. One in, one out. (laughs) That's how we're at right now. COVID club has a bouncer and a list. One in, one out. ThriveFantasy.com. Promo code is ETHOS. E-T-H-O-S. Make sure you use that at sign-up because it does unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. And if you deposit $10, not only do you get the $10 deposit match, but you also get two $20 contest entry tokens. You have to use those on a contest. You can't just cash those out. But enter the contests. $20 entry. Another one the next day if you want. And if you win money in those, that 
you get to keep. So a $10 deposit gets you 60 bucks in playing credits over at thrivefantasy.com right now. And I know you've won at least $10 with our pals over at mybookie.ag using their various promos over this Christmas break. Just the free spins in the casino alone have made me more than $10. And heaven forbid you win money with their casino chips with rollover, you got more. I know folks that are up $150 in their their Christmas promos so far. I'm not. I haven't been that lucky in the casino. I'm up like 30. (laughs) But look, I'll take that 30. I'll put it over in Thrive Fantasy. No problem. Let my guys guide me. Let's go win some money together. Promo code, once again, is ethos, E-T-H-O-S. Of course, that for sports ethos. And let's go prop up together at thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Big thank you to our buddies over there. Now, on the Roto side, by the way, if you're looking at the Cavaliers, Ricky Rubio is going to go completely bananas here in the short term. Evan Mobley did clear protocols for the Cavs, so again, one in, one out. We're right at that point. If we're talking about Roto, I don't think our strategy changes quite as much because good players didn't get dropped in games cap formats because you could just put them on your bench. So there aren't those same guys that you're seeing in head-to-head where every people that are like top 100, which is pretty useful in any format, you're probably not dropping the number 95 ranked guy in Roto because he goes into protocols. You just sit on him for a week. That's easy. The times you drop the top 95 guy is when they're going to be out for seven weeks and you just need that roster slot. So for Roto, I don't think our strategy changes quite as much due to these shortened potential, shortened protocols. I do think that in one key instance, things change a little bit, and that is... You guys know for me, I like to lag behind a little bit in games played. 20, 25 games back of the pack. When you have seven, I actually have nine guys out in one of my Roto Leagues. It's a 15-person roster, and and 60% of my team is out. Uh, In those instances, you start to fall 30, 40, 50 games behind the pack. I have ended up having to take the last two spots on my roster, basically, and turn them into someone who's playing. Like, full stream. Two moves every single day to make sure that someone tomorrow is active. And luckily, lately, there have been so many amazing fill-in opportunities that most of those streamer-level guys are putting up, like, top 70, top 80-type fantasy lines. So it's actually been, like, kind of fun. I know, a lot of you guys are like, this is the most annoying fantasy season I've ever been a part of. That stuff has actually been kind of fun for me. Like, DeLon right in, DeLon right out. Three days later, DeLon right in, DeLon right out. Like, I'm not even holding on to guys that I know are pretty good streams for an extra two days because they might be off for a day in between. With the shortened protocols, you probably don't have to get quite as insane with the day-to-day moves. You can continue to look for healthy fill-in options But say, if someone has a game off or a day off in between games or two days off in between games, but you know they're going to put up a good line that next one, you can probably sit on them. I don't know what a great example of this would be lately. 
maybe like had Nas Reed not entered protocols himself. Remember Minnesota had like three days off between games. If Reed had been healthy that whole way through and you knew Cat was going to be out, that's the kind of guy you could have sat on for three days with the shortened protocols. Not necessarily because he cleared them. This is a hypothetical, but just because you're not going to fall as far behind the pack if your guys are coming out of protocol quicker. That's it. Much smaller, I think, tweak on Roto strategy than head-to-head. Head-to-head strategy, this changes things a lot, in my estimation. You're still trying to dodge zeros, but we've worked so hard over the last two to three weeks to collect those extra wins. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I still lost 5-4 last week. Yeah, but you know what? You probably would have lost 7-2 if you didn't make all those extra moves. And guess what? You're going to have an opponent at some point, this week, next week, whatever it is, that is in worse shape than you. Just That's just the way averages work. And that's when you can then turn a 5-4 win into an 8-1 win. And then suddenly over that two-week stretch, you're you know three, four games over 500 instead of break even. And that's what's going to allow us to stash a guy like a DeAnthony Melton or whoever, whatever fringe protocol player who's definitely someone you want in your roster for the rest of the year got dropped remember adam said someone dropped mo bamba like that's nuts that's the kind of guy you want to sit on and so if you can build up a couple extra wins for two weeks that makes things really easy to go out and grab those types of guys interesting players are getting dropped right now in head-to-head that's just not really happening in roto Very quickly, on yesterday's card, a uh, seven-game Monday, Charlotte blew out Houston. Rockets are not good. They lost a few players to, to protocols. They're, I mean, they were a bad team anyway, and then to be down players in addition. You know, I think Eric Gordon's probably worth streaming most of the time, although it sounds like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are both expected to play tonight. I'm, I'm guessing KPJ is probably on a minutes count. I think Green is also still on a minutes count, and that's going to crush whatever you might have been trying to do with this team, which, if you've been listening to the pod, you know was don't. It's easier not to. There's too many other options out there to be digging through the Rockets for some sort of value. Charlotte, uh, no P.J. Washington, but they did fine. Mason Plumlee was an interesting one. Uh, He was a a name I dropped in a premium chat on uh, yesterday, on Monday, as, you know, I don't know if his fantasy game is going to translate. He went 7 for 7, so that obviously was uh, a really nice positive. He's a terrible free throw shooter. Pretty good passer out of that center spot, and I think we saw enough yesterday to say, okay, like if this game was closer, he probably plays another 6 or 7 minutes. With no P.J. Washington, Nick Richards is the backup center, so Plumlee's probably going to play 30-some-odd minutes, and he makes for an interesting short-term stream. Again, this is a bit more befitting of a roto spot where you could pick him up and drop him two days later if you needed to. Otherwise, nothing massive here. Cody Martin came back. He'll get his wind back, but I don't think I'm rolling the dice on him anyway. Charlotte beat Atlanta 130-118. Trey Young came back. Bogdan and Gorgie Jang went into protocols today on the Atlanta side, which means the Cam Reddish show shall continue unabated. There's nothing standing in his way right now. And Clint Capella, he's going to have to get his wind back quick here. Uh, he played 27 minutes. Jang got 21. Gorgie was actually kind of on the rise here a little bit. Not enough to make a difference, but Capella's going to have to play most of the ballgame as well. Trey, Cam, Capella, 
get ready for some some crazy lines for those three guys. For Chicago, Kobe White filling in for Lonzo Ball at point guard. He's fine. He's not good enough for me to be uh, a roto pickup. Should pull up Chicago's schedule while I'm talking to you guys. I didn't. Oops. Um, but we can do that while we're talking here. I'm not even going to pause the podcast. I'm going to do it while I'm yammering at you. Uh, so they do have a, a pretty good schedule actually coming up. Chicago plays um, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So there might be a little Kobe White back-to-back opportunity. Maybe. I don't think he's going to do much, but he could potentially make sense in a head-to-head type of schedule stream. Uh, I wouldn't fault you if you just passed on that. Minnesota beat Boston. Yuck. That's a bad loss for Boston. Not that Minnesota's not a decent basketball team this year, but they're down everybody for this ballgame. Jalen Noel at 29. Nathan Knight, crazy fill-in game at center. And I picked him up in a bunch of spots, only now to find out that Nas Reed is back, so you can sort of punt on Nathan Knight. Oh, well, <laughs> that's the way it goes right now. Um, this also, I think, puts a bit of a damper on Jaden McDaniels, who uh, was set to have a, a massive role. But if Nas Reed is coming back, that might push Knight down not only the pecking order, but also sort of the size order here. I think McDaniels will still do enough because they like him a lot. And he was playing mid-20s in minutes when everybody was out there. Uh, but as bodies start to come back, that that does log jam up thing, uh, things up a little bit. Malik Beasley is still, I think, going to have to do a fair amount. But Patrick Beverly is uh, questionable. He cleared protocols. Beverly's the guy you really like coming back. Edwards is a start. I think McDaniels is a start. If you can get Nas Reed in there, he's probably a go. And Beasley's the guy who needs to try to figure out how to do stuff besides scoring. So kind of questionable. But with no Cat and no D'Lo, I think there's there should be enough shots left. For Beasley to be okay for say maybe one or two more ball games. On the Boston side, kind of curious what would happen here. Marcus Smart did not play with a hand issue. I think there's a cut on his hand. And that's the big question mark for the next one because you're not starting Romeo Langford. Peyton Pritchard had a huge ball game, but that largely had to do with the fact that both Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart were out. I believe if Smart comes back. I don't know that there's enough there to throw Pritchard into the mix. And Josh Richardson, close to coming back from protocols, does he slot in and kind of muck things up? I mean, he most likely takes Romeo Langford's spot, but how much does that impact Peyton Pritchard? So uh, I don't really like Richardson's fantasy game at this point of his career. I'm not adding him. Pritchard is someone you could add sort of speculatively in Roto. And if Smart is still out, then you roll with it. But if Smart comes back then you just don't play the guy you picked up. And that's, a, again, you can't do that in head-to-head. Utah's without Donovan Mitchell for a couple of ball games. They hope that's all it is. Mentioned on yesterday's podcast, that means it's Jordan Clarkson time, and it was. Joe Ingles played relatively well, better than I expected. Four threes. Um, but again, his usage doesn't quite go up enough until Conley goes out. And Conley was in. San Antonio's without DeJounte Murray. Nobody really stepped in to fill those shoes either. So probably just enjoy what's sure to be a very robust Derek White week. Not that we weren't enjoying the Derek White show anyway, but it potentially gets even more delightful. He's number 49 now, friends, 
Yeah, right on the edge of the fourth round. Memphis beat Phoenix on a wild John Morant shot. Desmond Bain is going to be huge while Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melton are in protocols. We started John Conchar after finding out he was going to be the starter the previous day, and he was fine. Not spectacular here, but certainly a useful line. Seven points, a three ball, nine boards, two assists, two steals. You can keep going with Conchar as long as Brooks and Melton are out. It does seem like that's his job, amazingly. So that should be kind of an interesting, uh, certainly roto-friendly grab. I don't know if you go that route in head-to-head. Of course, when someone comes back, then they become the thing. But I would assume even if uh, Melton and Brooks only miss six days, that does basically take this thing to the end of the week. DeAndre Ayton in protocols. Figured JaVale McGee would do more, but he fouled out in 22 minutes. Just couldn't quite get it together. To me, he's still a really nice ad for this week. And Cam Johnson's a really nice ad for this week with Jay Crowder out. A couple of pretty obvious fill-ins on that Phoenix side. Dallas beat Portland behind Kristaps Porzingis just going crazy. Jalen Brunson was solid again, filling in for Luka. Dorian Finney-Smith back, and he played well. You're not picking up Brandon Knight. I know he had a pretty good line here. You're not picking up Josh Green. Just don't even, don't worry about it. Dwight Powell had a nice scoring game, but you're not picking him up either. On the Portland side, uh, Nas Little played really well. He was a guy that Brew and I talked about two Fridays back as the guy with the better fantasy stat set in terms of kind of filling in on the wing for Portland. But look, do you trust it to happen again? I do not. I think Larry Nance will be better in the next one. Norman Powell will be better in the next one. Those guys are the starts on the Portland side, and we can kind of leave it at that. And Brooklyn blew out the Clippers, who are without a lot of their guys right now. Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Morris, those are your starts on the Clippers. Probably Ivica Zubats as well, at least until Isaiah Hartenstein comes back, and then you kind of reassess on that front. Uh, But Bledsoe and Morris, those guys have uh, big roles right now. And this was Morris on a minutes limit. So he only ramps up from there. Brooklyn, getting everybody back. We already talked about it a little bit kind of in passing at the beginning of the show. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, LaMarcus Aldridge, all clearing protocols. Kyrie, they've said one to two weeks away from actually getting into a game. And the next road game for Brooklyn is in eight days. So we might see Kyrie in eight days. I think the next one after that is another four days later. Might be five days later if I'm getting the numbers right. Uh, But Kyrie, probably within one to two weeks of making his season debut. And with everybody coming back, Claxton, no. Bembry, no. Mills, probably going to lose his juice. Remember, he was more of a schedule stream type of guy. And it's going to be Harden, Durant, and Aldridge. And then when Kyrie comes back, you add him into the mix as well. I do like some of those Clippers streams, though. Be ready, by the way. As soon as Reggie Jackson clears protocols... He takes over as the guard to use with Marcus Morris on the Clippers' side. And again, probably Zubots. And keep an eye on Hardenstein. He was really looking good before going down. I don't, I mean, I, I really do wonder if he passes Zubots at some point this year. And Hardenstein's on almost every waiver wire because he got hurt right after he started to show some promise. And then everybody else hit protocols, and it's like, all right, well, I can't sit on a guy who was just starting to ramp up and we don't have a return date. He's out there everywhere. So these are the guys I want you paying attention to in head-to-head. Stay in front of it. Don't go too early because we're still piling up some wins right now while everybody else is slacking off. But as soon as we start to hear something good about Hartenstein, he's a potential ad as well. And that is your Tuesday show. Back at you tomorrow, folks. I'm sure we'll have some more strategy stuff. We'll break down... 
a uh, larger-than-typical Tuesday card. Actually, some games happening tonight. Eight, eight gamer? I'll take it. I think the last couple Tuesdays, I might be out of my mind. I think there was only like three, five games last couple Tuesdays. Yeah, three or five. You go back another three. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We got a few coming up tonight. Should be interesting. Uh, Warriors getting some players back tonight, by the way. Andrew Wiggins is available. So I think the Otto Porter run might be done. If you're making a coin flip decision on whether to start him in a Roto Games cap, I'm probably benching him. And then he's probably going to end up playing well anyway. Stay tuned. There's going to be a lot of news, I think, on these guys, how much they're going to play, whether they're going to start, things like that. Guys that have missed a week, week and a half, some of them come back quicker than others. Some of them, like I think James Harden has basically a, a home conditioning center that some of the other guys in the NBA, they don't have built into their quarantine center. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was, I think it might have been Jordan Poole, actually, on the Warriors, who was stuck in Boston for the last nine days. They couldn't even get him home. So you know he wasn't or uh, staying conditioned because he was probably stuck in a hotel room. What are you going to do in there? Jumping jacks for two to three hours a day? I guess. So keep an eye on that type of stuff. Those, that is another reason why we, we kind of like to move on things a little early. But anyway, put a pin in it for now. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Please do follow me on Twitter. So much that needs to happen breaking news-wise. And I will say it once again, Ethos Fantasy BK, the single best fantasy news feed on planet Earth. Follow that as well. Until tomorrow, friends. So long.